You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. In this conversation about solidarity, we're almost to the end. One of the reasons that we're talking about solidarity is that it's so critically important for any organization, for any team, for any business, for any HOA, okay, forget that, um, (laughs) to be together and to have a unified sense of direction and and a sense of commonality not just because we're trying to be nice people here on earth, but because we're tr- we have a mission to do. So a football team is, is trying to win the game. It's not like, hey, let's see how nice we can be to each other and see if we can agree with everything. No, it is, it is let's agree and be on the same team and run the same plays and be okay with that, even though I may not think that was the right play, in order to win the game. So solidarity really is a means to an end. It's not not an end of itself. So when we look at solidarity in terms of the church, God, I believe, has given every local church, big church, small church, he's given every local church a mission to accomplish. And as churches and the church culture, we have mastered the art of disagreement. And unfortunately, we have not been able to Move through that. This is why we put so much emphasis on disciple making. Because at that level of disciple making at a table for two, you can say, let's really grind this thing out. Let's really come to a sense of unity, a sense of commonality, a sense of mission together and make sure we're prioritizing the things that are prioritized. Okay. I'm going to require for you to in our room and if you're at home to put on your thinking caps this morning. And uh, we're going to go through a little history. And we're talking about one of the things that I believe is the most difficult thing for human beings to experience. Humility. Humility. It's difficult for us for two reasons. First of all, by nature, as soon as we were born, it's gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. That's just our nature. It's the nature of a baby. It's the nature of a three year old. It's the nature of a 62 year old. It's a you know, it's it, there, that's part of who we are, kind of our DNA. It's kind of more of a little bit self magnetized. Right. So we have to fight that. Second of all, we live in a culture that provokes us to want more and more and more. I love our country, but we know that it is more of a consumeristic country. And so the combination of that's like TNT. So it's very difficult for us, I think, to live beyond ourselves and, and humility. So we must talk about it. In fact, the Bible speaks a lot about unity and solidarity and humility and the, necess- the, necess- the necessity of having humility in order to have the solidarity, in order to have solidarity to accomplish the mission that we have. We're going to go through uh, a, a sign of humility today that I'm kind of gazing around the room. Uh, I just want to let you know this is a, an adult topic that we're going to be talking about, and you'll understand when we get there. But just I'd like to give fair warning uh, to those that may have children in the room, I, I don't see many, but uh, but just in case you do, uh, I just want to give you that fair warning. I believe that we're not to skim over any part of the Bible. You know, like when you're reading through the Bible, like, oh, woo, not going to talk about that. You know, it's there. <laughs> we're going through chronologically the first uh, six or seven chapters of the book of Joshua. 
And so it's there. So we're going to talk about it. But it is a beautiful, beautiful picture. I'm going to tell you, when you read the Bible, I know it's daunting, sometimes hard to understand. But man, when you start digging in, like, wow, there are some amazing pictures. Okay, so we're going to begin with pictures. In fact, because this is a little heavier on the front end of history, I've made some diagrams for you. We're going to begin by talking about contracts. So there, when you look at a contract, it comes to you and there is always to a contract a sign or typically a signature. We call it a signature. The first four letters of signature is a sign. So if you, you have to have some verification, some validation, you agree, I agree. Everybody's okay. I need you to sign here. I just sometimes when I'm in the grocery store, by the way, you know, when you have to sign the thing, it was like just a swipe. Just want to see if it, you know, still goes through, still goes through. But that mark says, hey, you agreed to this, even if it looks like my signature or not, you know, just try it. Just uh, sign your signature at Publix this week, Roy McCoy, and just see, you know, if it goes, it'll still go through, but it's the mark, that's the sign that you said, I agree to this. Then there's, a, there's the agreement. There's your part, there's the other part, person's part, and then there's a price. Typically, think about it. Why would you sign an agreement if there wasn't any substance to the agreement, right? Hey, you want to pick up Chick-fil-A on the way home? Yeah, I need a signature on that. That's not that. No, it's if you're buying a home, if you're going to get a maintenance program, if you're going to rent a car, you've got to make this. I marked, I signed, but this is going to cost us something. Typically, contracts have a price in mind. Okay, you following so far? In the Bible, there are a series of contracts they're called covenants. And as you look at the covenants, they, they really shape the history of humankind. They are agreements, contracts by God. So if you look at the diagram, you'll notice in the upper left is where we start. These are major moments and milestones in history. That's in the upper left there. That's Adam, okay, in the Garden of Eden, there is an, what's called an Edenic or Eden. You know, got to put fancy words on make it, make us feel smart. It's a covenant in Eden. If you go down the bottom left, Adam and Eve had a covenant. Then you go up to the next one, Noah had a covenant. Next one, Abraham had a covenant. Next one up there, uh, Moses. Those are not two sharks. That is the Red Sea <laughs> parting in half. The next one in the bottom right is David. God, God had a, day, a covenant with David. Your government will never end. And, and, and then the final one is the covenant that Jesus had at the Lord's Supper and, and with his disciples. Okay, so when you look at these covenants, there is an agreement. There is a sign. There is a cost. Most of them are conditional. Do this. And, and this will happen. If you don't do this, this will happen. Let's take the first one. Okay. In the Garden of Eden, God said, here's the agreement. You get everything except that one tree. That's the agreement. And that and so what there's going to be a cost if you break that covenant, if you break that contract. And of course, we know that they broke the contract. So now every time it's very important. Every time there is a breaking of the agreement, God then comes along and says, okay, take two, new agreement, okay? And then break that one, okay, take three, new agreement. The covenants were because we broke the covenant. The, co the contract was necessary 
because we broke it. So now you find yourself in the Garden of Eden with Adam, with the second covenant, the second contract. And so Adam then came along, he broke the rule, and now he's naked. He recognizes he's exposed, he's sinful, and God says, I'm going to come in and let me give you a sign. I'm going to cover you because you can't cover yourself. See, that nakedness symbolized for us our exposure to God. He knows all of our junk. He knows all of our stuff, all of our brokenness, all of our mistakes, and we stand before him exposed. And listen, these covenants were made because whatever God was going to do, we couldn't do ourselves. Adam attempted to cover himself with the religion of a fig leaf. He attempted to say, hey, I got taken care of. I'll do it on my own. I got fig leaf. And God says, peekaboo, still see you. <laughs> and, and so watch. It is so beautiful. The first sacrifice, the first shedding of lifeblood took place in that moment. God shed an animal who doesn't have a soul, shed the animal in Adam's place. The animal got the penalty. Adam didn't. And that set the record. It set the trajectory all the way to Calvary where the Lamb of God was shed his blood for us and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Watch this. Here was this, the covering was the sign, and God said, here's the agreement. Here's the agreement. I'm going to take a little sidebar because it's so, it's so amazing. Okay, a little sidebar. God said to the enemy, the woman's seed will crush your head. Okay? Newsflash, biology class. A woman doesn't have a seed. A man does. So the beauty in that statement on the third page of the Bible foreshadows that there will be a woman who will have a seed, which a woman can't have, and that seed will come in a virgin and, a, and, and do something man can't do. And so the woman's seed was the seed of Christ who was implanted by the Holy Spirit and a virgin called Mary. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> now, if you're lost, that's okay. That was just a sidebar. That was like, hey, we're on a mountain. Hey, there's a scenic little overview. So we just saw a little scenic overview. At any rate, but in that covenant, God was saying, we got to start over. Okay. And we're going to start over by a system of covering you. Something you can't do. From that point on, because of their self-magnetism. Because now there, there was a nuclear fallout with selfishness. In their lives, the next page, Cain kills Abel. And then violence began to spiral out of control until we find ourselves to the next covenant where God says, wow, the whole world is full of violence. So I've got to start over. Some people say, how could a loving God flood the earth and kill every population except the folks that are in Noah's Ark? It is a loving God who had to step in to stop the unspiraling of violence or there would have been no one left on the planet. It was an act of compassion. Sometimes we don't understand the mind and heart of God. It was an act of compassion. God steps in and says, man, I, I've got to start this thing over. So Noah, here's the, here's the contract. You go and multiply, remultiply in the earth and be fruitful and make my name known. Okay. The sign is a rainbow. That was the signature. 
So everyone has a sign. This is my sign to you that I'm never going to flood the, flood the earth again. I'm never going to do that again. So here we're going to do it this way, right? They broke the contract. If you look, if so, if we go to the next slide, uh, I will, uh, we'll see the, these chapters in Genesis. So Genesis six through nine are the story of Moses. Or sorry, uh, uh, who was driving the boat? Um, Noah. All right, gotcha. <laughs> now you feel confident in everything that I've just said. <laughs> So uh, so uh, Noah is now on the boat. He steps off the boat in Genesis 9. Be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 10 is called the Table of Nations. They're, they're now building. Genesis 11, that's not an ice cream sundae, that's a Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, they're going to break the contract. Instead of going multiplying and making the name of God's name known in all the nations, they came together. If you read Genesis 11, they said, let's make a name for ourselves and stay right here. Lest we be scattered. The exact same thing God asked them to do. Scatter, multiply, fill the earth. Nope. We're going to come together and break the contract. So this is where we're going to land today. In fact, we're going to land eventually in Joshua. I know you're like, I don't know where we're going to get there, but watch this. This becomes a beautiful moment, okay? In Genesis chapter 12, where now all the nations, we're going to say, let's make a name for ourselves. God comes to a man named Abram. We'll refer to him as Abraham because God changed his name. God came to Abraham and said, I want you to be the father of many what? Nations. See, we're going to start over. And I'm going through you. I'm going to bless the nations and make my name known, which he has since that moment. You see how that is? Now we look at the sign. This is where we come to the adult part. Okay. The sign of the covenant, the signature was circumcision. Okay. Now, Dan preached last week. Why I didn't assign him this week, I don't know. You preach on this topic. No, just kidding. We begin in Genesis chapter 17, because there's five chapters of God interacting with Abraham. God says to Abraham, as for me, this is my contract with you. This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Verse 10, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. It is the contract that we're agreeing to that you are to keep. I'll keep my part. God said you keep your part. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign, the signature of the covenant between me and you. Now, any reasonable human being would say, "Okay, get the contract. I get the need for you know, a do-over, but why circumcision, right? Watch the power in this. In fact, in your message notes on the, on the Church Center app today, I've put an article, and I don't do it very often. It's from Christianity Today. The writer, I'm going to quote from him just a little bit, is brilliant. Is a, I'm telling you, I read, I'm like, I read about five or six times. It's not a long article, but it's so brilliant. If you, under, if you want to get a deeper understanding, like why circumcision, but it's brilliant, brilliantly written and like moving. Uh, so anyway, can't recommend it enough, but watch this. Adam couldn't cover himself. Adam could not crush the head of his enemy, right? Noah couldn't restart the earth. Only God could flood the earth. 
Every contract reminded the person they couldn't do in their own effort what God was about to do. We already know, if you know the story, Abraham is already an older man, you know, way past the biological capacity to have children. But look at the irony. Abraham, I want you to make a baby with your wife. And before you do, let's get circumcised. You see the irony in that? Some of you are uncomfortable. I understand. But there's a symbology here that God was saying to Abraham, as he said to Noah, as he would say to David, as he would say to everyone, it's not going to be you. It's going to be me that accomplishes what I want. Okay, we're heading. Stick with me. We're heading somewhere. So watch this from this article. Let me just read you a quote. Circumcision sealed the covenant, but demonstrated that Abraham's children were not going to inherit the land by the power of their arm of flesh, their battle proudness, or their heroism. Yahweh, God, promised fertility, but indicated that Abraham would father the seed only when he gave up his fleshly hope. I'll do it on my own. And when he grew impatient with God, this is where we got Ishmael, a disastrous, monumental decision that has rippled all through time. That was Abraham once again breaking the contract, but saying, I'll do it. Obviously, God's not showing up. I'll do it. In that same article, we read this. Flesh is not the solution to the human dilemma. Flesh is the problem. The obstacle that needs to be removed is the flesh itself. So circumcision was a physical picture of flesh being removed and putting a man in a point of weakness. You see? This is why in Deuteronomy chapter 30, one of many places where God says, you need to have a circumcision of your heart. Everything in the Bible is about the heart, even though there's outward signs. We're asked to give back to God with great joy. It's not about a check or a cash or a credit card. It's about your heart. It's where Jesus said, where your heart, your treasure is, your heart's there. Everything is about the heart. And even physical circumcision was a circumcision of the heart. That was the intention of God, that you will, you, you will humiliate yourself. You will humble yourself and come in front of me and put yourself in a place of weakness. Here we go. Any team for God needs to have a collective circumcision. Any team of God needs to cut away the selfishness of our own opinions, our own, we should have done it this way, that way, and we can have opinions. But what we do with those, I'm telling you, trust me, I've been in this game for four decades. It's killing the church. It's killing the mission of the church that God assigned us. And everybody says amen until we're offended. And then our emotions 
and our perspective, they absolutely, I have seen it. I'm not kidding you. 40 years in the ministry, I bet you I've seen it 10,000 times that the emotions trump the assignment, the emotions trump unity, the emotions trump solidarity. I don't care what the mission is. You offended me. And we disagreed. And God would say, man, you've got to cut that out. You've got to cut that flesh away. You see the beautiful picture? This is why we can't just skim over this. Like, well, that's kind of uncomfortable. And, all right, let me go further. If you weren't uncomfortable yet, it was, <laughs> maybe I should do a short prayer in case you want to leave. Like, <laughs> and then I'll look up and no one's here. And then I'll be speaking to the TV and you're not even there anymore. That's good. Incision is painful. Incision is painful, especially in certain areas. Said it. <laughs> Incision is, is painful in your own heart and life. Listen, especially in certain areas. That thing you're so, you're so right about. That's going to be a that's going to be a deeper incision. That grudge you might have held, I might have held for many years. Oh, God's going to say, "Well, we're going to go deep on that one." That's that's going to be tough because unity. The next week we're going to look at the reward of unity. Man, there's a reward of cutting the flesh out collectively. Are you are you tracking with me? All right, Joshua five. It even gets better. Gets a lighter from this point on. Like, oh, thank you, God, for that. Joshua chapter 5. The Israelites are on the east side of the Jordan. They have been there for quite a while. They have conquered kings. They have conquered our armies. They have fought valiantly because God has been on their side. They have now crossed over the Jordan. Dan, uh, clarified that last week, articulately, that crossed over the Jordan. God stopped the flow of the Jordan. It was a miraculous, miraculous thing. They crossed like the Red Sea. They crossed on dry land. Remember, they went back from last week. They went back. They picked up stones, and they made an altar at Gilgal. And they said, we don't want our children to forget this. Okay? I want you to follow that. Follow, don't forget what they didn't want to forget. Okay? We're going to put this monument, a sign of what God did. Now, in their sights is Jericho. And they are getting ready to fight. I would even venture to say they were already suited up for battle. And then they discover that their enemies are absolutely freaked out. Watch this. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1, here's how we begin this story. Now, when all of the Amorite kings, that's all of them, every single one of them, these are the, these are the five-star generals of the Amorites who are, are the adversaries, right? Kings that are west of the Jordan, that's, where that's their destination. And all the Canaanite kings, I, I mean, many of them, five-star generals, along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over. Their hearts melted. They were freaked out by these Israelites coming in. And they no longer had the courage 
to face their the Israelites. They were just, they had lost it. In some versions of the Bible, it says they had lost their spirit. They were beside themselves. Now, if you're part of the Israelite army in that moment, I don't know if you would so much march as you would swag. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you got this thing, you know, they're freaked out. I mean, you know, I have to master the swag. Okay, give me a little. Give it. But they're swagging, man. They're like, man, we've got this. It's like me going into a boxing ring with a three-year-old, like one hand behind my back. This is the confidence that they're having right now. Why wouldn't they? I mean, they beat every army so far that God's opened up a rolling river and in, in flood time. They walked away. They've carried these big stones out. People are freaking out, man. We already have the victory. So it's shocking the next command from God. In verse 2, God says, hey, before you get so amped up on your own effort, let me just tell you something. In verse 2 of, of is, uh, Joshua 5, at that time, at what time? At the time of your greatest human confidence. At the time where you were swagging. At the time where you were really saying, I got it. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives, not really polished, sterilized scapples, and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time because you broke the first time's contract. You see? Do over. So Joshua made flint knives circumcised the sons of Israel at Gebeoth Haraloth. You see, I don't know much about military strategy, but I guess that's not one of them. Let's take Gettysburg. Wait, before we do, let's, you know, why would you do that? Because it puts every fighting man on the field incapacitated until they heal. You see the irony of that? Abraham, I need you to go, you know, make a child with Sarah. But before you do, it's an irony. It's like, wait, that doesn't fit in the story, right? We're going to fight. There was a time in the Old Testament where Jacob's daughter Dinah was raped by a group of men. Jacob's brothers were furious. So they said, let's do something tricky. Let's go to these, these thugs. And we'll say, hey, why don't you be part of us? Okay. They were a little surprised by that because we, you know, we just raped your, your sister. But if you're going to be part of us, we need you to get circumcised. They knew what they were doing. They were weakening their enemies. And right after the, the process, the operation, they attacked and killed them all. You see, God is saying to Joshua, you see that fort over there? It's called Jericho. You ain't going to do it on your own. Why are we having this conversation? Here's why we're having the conversation. We have 16 people across the street who move from darkness to light, who say, I want to I want to be part of the kingdom. We literally are impacting the world from this corner to the corners of the world. You are. We are together. 
I mean, this past week, I can't say a lot, but we are two miles from Somalia with our, with our tools. We are in places in the Middle East, I literally can't tell you. We're, we're seeing people's lives change around the world from this corner. We are getting ready to embark on an initiative in the fall called WHO. Who does God want me to see? An initiative where collectively as a team, we're going to say in our own neighborhoods, where we work, where we go to the gym, all those things, every place where we work, live and play. Let's begin to have spiritual conversations that lead to Jesus. So watch this. Super important. We're almost we're almost uh, at closing here. Watch this. Verse eight. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished. Was it part of the nation? It was a whole nation. Here's what's missing from the story. Let me pause for a second. Here's what's missing from the story. You got tens of thousands of fighting men. You guys are amped up. You're ready to go. Enemies freaked out. We've seen God do a miracle. Hey, let's get circumcised. I don't see one single hand raised and like, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not going to do that. And actually, a few of us have talked over here. And uh, we're kind of anti circ <laughs> See, I'm getting that. <laughs> There's none of that. Every single one collectively in solidarity said yes. We were way too hand up. We need to humble ourselves. So you had an entire army of humbled men. That is why the walls of Jericho fell. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places, watch, until they were healed. Hey, Christian brother and sister, we need healed. We, we got some cutting and some healing to do. And we got we to gotta heal before we move forward. And the Lord said to Joshua, watch this. That past that you were dragging behind you today, because of your humility, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt forever. So in the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. All right. Goosebump alert. Okay. Watch what they did next. The reproach of all their sin was rolled away. And the next thing they did. Passover. Wow. They reminded themselves. That we are a rescued people. And we are covered by the blood of a Passover lamb. What in the blank are we doing fighting amongst ourselves? Verse 10. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. There on the plains of Jericho, wind blowing, sand blowing. 
here's this beautiful masterpiece of a picture. The army of God humbled, remembering you're broken, I'm broken, you're broken, he's broken, you're broken. And man, at the foot of the, at the, foot of the Passover lamb, we're all the same. Now, let's go get them. That's how God moves. The seventh covenant, the final covenant that we find in the Bible, Jesus is sitting there and he said, you're broken and you can't cover yourself and you can't do a do-over no matter how religious you get. My body is going to be broken for you. My blood is going to be spilt for you on a cross to do what you can't do. And this is my covenant. This is my covenant, my contract. I'm going to picture it with bread and wine. And I want you to know, we're going to go after the world. I find the Bible stunning. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.